It's October 7th, 1993, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. It was on this day that the Ig Nobel Award, the satirical answer to the Nobel Prize, presented its consumer engineering gong to the inventor of the Vegomatic, the pocket fisherman, and the inside-the-shell egg scrambler. Yes, it's the infomercial king, Ron Papil. Who I was not familiar with, I'm afraid. I can tell you're very excited, Arian, to have an episode to discuss <laughs> Ron Papil. So excited. <laughs> For me, my late-night had a token a chocolate bar infomercial guy was this guy called Mike Levy who did a show called Amazing Discoveries and that was on on the Astra satellite in the late 80s a man with an incredible jumper peeling vegetables and being very enthusiastic about it and I thought he was the only one I didn't realize there was a whole genre of infomercials started by Ron Papil, who we're commemorating today. Yeah, it's hard to imagine a world before the infomercial because I think we're all familiar with the cliche of the but wait, there's more and, you know, order now, blah, 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 blah. But before people like Ron Papil, that just didn't exist. And it only became a thing because one of his most successful early projects was a choppermatic, which had actually been invented by his father. And the company realised that a TV demo, I mean, TV still being relatively young in these days, would be far more effective than what they were doing at the time, which was hauling massive bags of vegetables from store to store to demonstrate the chopping in person. Also, as you say, quick at chopping. Like, actually, if you're just (laughs) going to demonstrate what is essentially an onion peeler and dicer, it takes about 20 seconds, and that is a virtue of the product. Here's an onion. Here's the machine. Onion goes to the machine. Onion is smaller. That's it! Like 20 (laughs) seconds. Somehow he spun that out into half an hour of television. He could only have done that, it strikes me, with that background experience of going round really selling. I saw an interview with him where he said every lunch break the same office workers would come down to Woolworths to watch him work. He must have known that he was really good at his job. What's amazing also in watching his interviews is how he's never not selling. You know, he's, the, the interview that I saw of his was with a CBS anchor and he was ostensibly meant to be just going through all of the many products that he had created. But he couldn't not sell each and every one to the guy that he was talking to <laughs> because he just couldn't switch I off. I just feel like saying the name of the product pulled this trigger in his brain that made him immediately launch into the sales pitch <laughs> for it. He couldn't just say Showtime Rotisserie and Barbecue Oven. And the names were incredible. I don't know if he, by mm. the end, had employed a separate department at Ronco, which was the name of his company, to just come up with names like the Amazing Smokeless Ashtray and the Miracle Broom. But they're so <laughs> evocative, aren't they? And yeah. I don't know, I can't turn off the part of my brain. Even now, watching a really scratchy imported VHS of an infomercial from the 80s, a product that I literally cannot buy, even if I wanted <laughs> one, I cannot turn off the part of my brain that's thinking, oh, yeah, but could I use that? And yeah, <laughs> create that, that whole way of selling where it's like totally in your language, isn't it? You fed up with cleaning pasta out of the drain? Well, not really, but I'll go along with it. Yes. Imagine yeah. if I were, then what? Tell me. But this is the reason that I really, really dislike the infomercial as a genre. You know, these before segments play so hard on the idea that if you're not scrambling your eggs or opening tins in the right way, something is wrong with your life. And it's yeah. just so tied into all of our modern malaise. It's all based around this like empty chasing of new items to buy for fake problems. And also, the product obviously cannot solve the other problems around the usually woman at the centre of it, who's usually housewife, literally tearing at her hair whilst a dog's (laughs) barking and a child's trying to do homework and there's mess everywhere. 
are you fed up with XYZ? Then get Miracle whatever. And then, you know, you get the aftershot and her life has changed utterly because she is now able to bake a garlic pizza in five minutes. But actually, the dog's still there. The kids are still there. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, the pizza baker makes no difference to their life at all. Yeah, here's the in-the-shell egg scrambler, but for everything else, you're probably just going to need vodka. <laughs> can, we ju- can we just talk about the inside-the-shell egg scrambler? Like, who ne- where was that a problem for anybody? <laughs> okay, so this is what's great about it. So the product is like almost like a weird kind of like tiny blender that clips into the egg while it's still in the shell and then blends yeah. it all up and then you crack it and it's all mixed together, which is something that I, always, I personally always enjoyed mixing eggs but apparently ron popiel hated runny egg white which is something that (laughs) i mean i don't enjoy them but it was obviously a bit of a trigger for him because i saw this advert from the 1980s for this invention and in it the voiceover man says if your kids don't like the looks of runny egg whites and i'm like what kids have ever said that this (laughs) is clearly ron popiel himself being like make sure you put in about how kids hate runny egg whites I wonder if each of his products is in itself a little insight into his soul and his uh, his concerns and fears. And I mean, if you think of some of them, he had the GLH system, which stands for the great looking hair system, which is pretty much just fairy floss for your head. You, you spray it on, it comes out of a spray can and it fills in quite miraculously, I must say, the, the bald patch that you might be working towards. So Clearly, you can imagine that that is a thing that he might have been concerned about for himself. Yeah, but you see, if he did feel inadequate about that, he didn't feel embarrassed to be front and centre talking about it, which is another thing. He That's not only had no shame about talking about these weird feelings that he had towards eggs and bald spots, but also felt no need to ironise them or... He didn't appear to have a sense of humour about it. I mean, that's no. how I saw that clip that you were talking about with the CPS guy as well. Yeah, as yeah. The thing that... He seemed like a nice man... You know, like a man who was who knew that he'd been lucky in life, but at the same time just didn't understand that anyone might think it's funny that you develop an egg that scrambles in its own shell because he'd made millions of dollars out of it. He's like, well, yeah. I have solved a problem. I, I can talk for half an hour about how this has changed people's lives. Like with his pocket fisherman, which is just this retractable uh, fishing rod that you can, at a push, jam into your oversized pocket if you really want to try and get it in there. Uh, But he just believes in it. I was trying to figure out what was the point of the pocket fisherman, unless you are a man in an old fashioned comic strip who's trying to sneak out from his wife for a day. I know the answer to that. I mean, I've seen the infomercial. It's to go in the glove box. So that when you're driving through the countryside and you suddenly spot a wonderful <laughs> lake full of fish, but you haven't got your rod with you, out comes the pocket fisherman. But I tell you what else you don't have. You probably don't have a bucket ready to receive the fish that you've just pulled in with your pocket fisherman. Uh, let me sell you on the virtues of the foldable bucket. <laughs> yeah. My favourite quote from Ron Pompeo, I say quote, I mean story really, about something that he may have said, is that apparently when the engineer that he tasked with developing the pocket fisherman said to him, look, this isn't going to catch any fish. It's not a robust fishing rod. He said, it's not for fishing, it's for Christmas. <laughs> that's <laughs> Which amazing. Which sums up the whole business, really. <laughs> oh, like, this so is good. landfill tat, but I know what the American public want to buy each other for Christmas. And the price yeah. point as well is so crucial. Always, nine ninety five or nineteen ninety five. Mm. Apparently, the psychology of that was not to break up a bill, even though you're ordering it online or in those days over the phone using a credit card, so there's no mm. cash money involved at all. But the idea is... 
psychologically the public would think oh no thirty dollars that's two bills that i'm envisioning handing over get change for twenty dollars feels like a bargain and wait there's more another piece of pad that's also (laughs) made in china for 50 cents but somehow makes you feel like you're getting a good deal all of this may go some way to explaining why eventually ronco went bankrupt in 1984 but Even so, at this stage, he'd sold out of the business and he believed in it so much and he believed in himself so much that his quote was, business is hills and valleys. This just happens to be a valley. And he bought his way back into the company and rolled up his sleeves and just started working on it again. And, you know, he he died a, a multimillionaire, presumably because for every product that failed, he had another piece of tat in the back of his mind that he was ready to come up with next. But it goes to show it wasn't the products. I mean, apparently, in fairness, the rotisserie one is good. Yeah, I've, I've seen that, a lot of people online saying, yeah, I do. The best tasting chicken genuinely is from this tabletop rotisserie thing that he hauled. <laughs> but most of the products weren't even the best in their category. It was him. He knew yeah. how to sell. And without him, there was no value to it. So this ignoble award that Ron Popeil won then, you said it was a satirical award. Were they joking? Would he have been grateful to have received this? It's tongue-in-cheek, but it is actually recognising actual scientific experiments. So, for example, in 2010, Karina Acevedo Whitehouse uh, and Agnes Rocha Gosselin were awarded in the engineering category for perfecting a method to collect whale snot using a (laughs) remote-controlled helicopter. (laughs) And then in 1998, Troy Herturbeis was uh, awarded in the safety engineering category for developing and personally testing a suit of armour that's impervious to grizzly. (laughs) So these are actually people doing genuine science of a kind and they're being recognised, I suppose, because when you recount the uh, experiments in a certain way, it sounds quite funny. Yeah. Is that really your career? So I can see how an actual scientist who'd spent years studying for a PhD in measuring duck faeces might find (laughs) it amusing to then be at an awards dinner where everyone laughed when they told their story but were sort of taking them seriously. I don't think from what I can see of Popeil, that he would have enjoyed that. Like, I think he genuinely thought that his inventions that could scramble an egg in its own shell was saving generations from the horror of of slightly runny eggs. Tomorrow. I have had hair disasters, but not (laughs) chemical-related. I had braids. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.